Hello, and welcome to The Exit presented by Flippa, the world's largest marketplace to buy and sell online businesses and startups. The Exit is a 30-minute podcast featuring awesome entrepreneurs who have been there and they have done it. The Exit talks to operators who have bought and sold businesses of all different sizes. You'll learn how they did it, why they did it, and get exposure to the world of Exits. It's a world occupied by a small few, but accessible to many. Now, in this episode, I sit down with Natalie Ferguson. She's an awesome entrepreneur who basically walks me through their entire story of creating multiple successful businesses, ultimately getting to hatch. And one of the coolest parts about this whole story is that Natalie talks about an initiative uh, in New Zealand that I really appreciated. And it was basically where there, after an exit, you take three months off. And you get this time period that's paid, and you just get to decompress. And I think we can all take a moment to appreciate that that as a requirement for people, you know, is a really empowering concept to say as a reward, here's some time to take a break and ultimately, you know, start your next business. So it was really inspirational, not only learning about Natalie's story, but also just about that initiative uh, beyond everything else. But this is a really great interview. I'm really excited to dig in here. So without further ado, let's dive right into my interview with Natalie Ferguson here on The Exit. All right, everyone. Today, I am joined by Natalie Ferguson, a freshly exited entrepreneur. How's it going today, Natalie? Wonderful. And I like the way Americans say my name, Natalie. We always say <laughs> Natalie. <laughs> doing, doing the American accent justice over here. <laughs> well, cool. Let, let's dive into this. Before we talk about your exits and the multiple successes that you've had, I want to kind of open the door a little bit to understand your background. Let's hear the story of how you got into business and entrepreneurship. I I don't know what I was studying at university, but I really hated it. This is going back a long way, so don't worry, I'm going to gloss over a lot. But I just didn't like university. I didn't get it. And I didn't also like the internet at all. And this was way back a very long time ago. And then I suddenly realized, oh, this thing is a tool to communicate. And so I suddenly got really excited and I built my first website using frames and created a blog before I think there were even blogs. And then spent a bit of time doing design work for people. I sort of taught myself to do it by doing work for people, and then kind of started a business um, with my then boyfriend, which was a disaster. But we started out very young. Um, did So we did a first pre-SaaS, all that sort of stuff. We took a whole bunch of open source products, best of breed, project management, all that sort of stuff, and tried to package it up for a small business solution. And then started a design agency on the side. And so that became kind of my core kept this design agency going, grew it to a couple of people. And the theory was that I'd be able to free up time to keep starting these little businesses on the side, um, which is exactly what I did. So I probably over the last 15 years have started or co-founded four to six various different businesses um, along the way with various different challenges with each of them. So, And that all accumulated in a couple of years at the end of freelancing because I was like, I need to just go learn more about all these different businesses, all the different problems they face. I'd never worked for anyone. I'd never worked inside a corporate. I'd always sort of jumped in and out. Um, So I spent a couple of years doing that. Got a little bit bored 
And then this opportunity came along for a a wealth management company in New Zealand who had a very visionary um, CEO who said, I see that this world is changing. I think we want to do a little bit of like a skunks works or a um, innovation hub. And a couple of us came together and the rest is hat history, basically. <laughs> nice. Nice. So let's talk about the the first sort of success that you had and start unpacking that a little bit. And then we'll talk about Hatch. But how was the, the company formed? And what types of things were you guys tracking to, to define your success there? Mm-hmm. So we so there's probably been a couple of successes along the way. I think that for me personally, the first one was that um, probably the second business, which is called Plan HQ, which is so, it seems so old school now, basically a living, breathing business planning tool. Um, so that rather than sort of creating a business plan document, which I just don't think people really do as much anymore, but back in the day they did, that you would create this sort of agile thing. Um, and in that case, we got the first round of seed funding, which is the first time I'd ever been involved in something like that. So that was the success of that. The business was a total flop, but that was a success. Um, I think the second major success for this, the next business was a company called Power Kiwi. And at the time, there was a new power company launching in New Zealand that was a marketplace. And so we formed a power company basically to be an independent provider. And that was a really profitable business. And I, at that point, the success for me was I learned a lot about commodities and brand because when you are selling power in a marketplace, you're literally selling the same product. Um, and we actually had quite an outsized success with our products because we created these incredible brands and this sort of movement behind green power and this thing we called flower power. So we did that for a couple of years, a different group of people. Um, and then the, we were basically, a, um, what's it called? Uh, we were very much reliant on the platform and the platform from this other company changed directions and decided not to have an open marketplace. So we quietly shut that down. But the, for me, the success there was the learning. Then my tours was probably the next one where it was a small group of us. Um, the, the ideas guy, Glenn, came up with this concept of, you know, those old school walkie talkies and things you used to carry around museums and city tours to actually turn that into an app builder. So galleries, museums, councils, cities could create these walking tours that had much more in-depth information, geotagging, all that sort of stuff. And that one before Hatch was the biggest success. We, um, I spent a few years in there helping with the design and um, started the initial design team. And then over time, we acquired a couple of other little businesses. It's quite a hard space. Um, and then we exited to a US company called OnSell uh, a couple of years ago now. So um, so that continues to exist. In a, um, and the Glenn, the guy who really started it, um, who was the driver behind that business, is still working there. So it's pretty nice to see both getting paid um, for in seeing an exit, an international exit, for, which for New Zealand is quite a difficult thing to achieve often. Um, but also just seeing that that really cool product continues today and, and, and still being involved in that business as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that, that kind of takes us to Hatch, right? That brings us all the way to the most recent. And let's start talking about that. I think there's, there's a lot of cool aspects to it. I, I was doing some research before the call, but for everybody listening, can you walk us through what Hatch uh, did or does and, uh, you know, how that company started? Absolutely. So that was about five years ago. And like I say, the CEO of this wealth company saw that the landscape was changing. To be honest, at the time, I was very much a 
oh, it's another corporate trying to innovate. It's never going to happen. But there was this incredible magic in this founding group of people who we didn't know each other at all, but we came together. We did the few little projects for them. And then we basically pitched back. We'd found this big opportunity. And I know the US is quite far ahead of New Zealand when it comes to investing, but New Zealand really didn't have an investing culture at all. So we probably had about 20% of the country had ever actually bought shares themselves. Um, there was a, especially when along gender lines, there were a lot of people who were completely out of the finance industry, didn't engage in it at all. So at the time in New Zealand, the biggest opportunities for growing wealth were property and the New Zealand share markets, which are tiny and a little bit of the Australian share markets. We really didn't have access to anything else. So we landed on this concept of opening up access to the US share markets, which probably feels like not that big a deal for most of the rest of the world. But for New Zealanders, that was revolutionary. So we pitched back to this wealth company because we recognized that when you were doing something that's quite different involving money, New Zealanders are pretty conservative, that having that trusted brand behind us, backing us, was going to be really important to start. And we launched this incredible investing community, basically. We call it a movement as well because we ended up with, we grew to 180,000 customers in a little under four years after launch, um, which with New Zealand scale, just so you know, we have five million New Zealanders in total. So we have a tiny, tiny market here. But more importantly for us, we we actually made an impact on the wealth creation in New Zealand. We had multiple, countless stories of people who were able to quit a job and start a business or take a year off with their kids or had completely changed how much they took control of their financial lives. So um, so that was an incredible, incredible journey. And then December last year, Hatch was acquired by another awesome New Zealand success story, This a company that does a lot more of the behind-the-scenes tech. And so they were able to – so the goal with Hatch from here is to expand it from just being the U.S. share markets to a whole range of new products and services. Very cool. So how did the initial conversation start with the company that focused on the behind-the-scenes tech, how, how did those uh, sort of come about? We knew that Hatch had to grow. And in order to grow the product suite, we needed a, we had two options. We had to go deep and build all the stuff, which has a lot of regulatory and compliance requirements. And um, anyone who's worked in fintech knows that that starts to become a bigger and bigger burden. The other option was to partner um, or the other option was to be acquired and um, the partnering is actually quite interesting. The US share markets are so much further ahead than the rest of the world that most partners we looked into uh, just didn't have, the, just the pipes weren't built into other share markets and other services. So then it became about acquisition. So we basically put hatch up the sale, really. <laughs> um, so we went through a process of um, packaged the business up and then went through a process of attracting different companies and tried to figure out which ones lined up the best in terms of the future of Hatch because we really, really believe in the future of Hatch as well as making sure that our people were looked after. We'd grown this incredible team of people um, as well as sort of getting a great price for the company. So Excellent. Excellent. And with preparing, uh, you know, you mentioned that you packaged it up. Can you share a little bit about what it was like getting prepared for the business? Because a lot of young entrepreneurs out there 
whether they've been running a business for five years, two years, whatever it is, um, there's a lot of questions around being prepared for an exit. So if you could share some, some wisdom there, that'd be great. I don't know what your experience has been, but I think the biggest thing you need to prepare for is the emotional journey you go on because you're taking your baby and this thing you believe so strongly in and this vision that you have lived and breathed for, in our case, half a decade and passing that over to someone who's never going to understand how you understand it, but who also will be coming in with their own vision for why they're buying this thing. So um, that was a roller coaster. And that took a lot of time, I think, to wrap our heads around because on the one hand, you're so proud of this thing and you know you want it to be successful and this is the reality. And on the other hand, you're like, but it's so hard to let go. So I think there was that. I think um, for us, the biggest thing was going to be moving our team into a new business and the culture because we really we really had built an incredible, incredible team and we had such a strong culture and way of working that um, it felt like it was our responsibility to make sure our people were really looked after and that it was as soft a landing as possible. Um, and then there's just all the other bits that there are people and largely lawyers help you do around, you know, separating assets and making sure your agreements are done. But that stuff is sort of a process that I think a lot of people have done a lot, cost a bit of money, but it's like not necessarily the hardest part. It's, I think you'll probably have found the same. What you expect to be the hard part about a startup is never the hardest part. It's always the other bits and it's largely the people and the emotions that go with it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's like putting a bunch of people into a room and all running in the same direction. You're going to deal with all these different emotions, different life chapters, everything. It's it's kind of a crazy, a crazy situation that until you do it, it's kind of hard to actually learn uh, how to how to go through it. So with the acquisition, how long did it take to go through? And did the whole team come over to to the new company? Yes. So that took it probably was about six months. And because of the nature of um how the process worked, we ended up, I was actually meant to be on holiday down south with a couple of friends and I had to keep flying back and forth to come up to do, they call them, I think it's managers, leadership presentations where we met with all the different prospective buyers and sort of pitched but answered all their questions and all that sort of stuff. So um, it did take, it was not a huge amount of time, but bearing in mind that whole period, you can't really make any business decisions. So you're so used to like grow, grow, grow having a plan and then you almost have to not stop the business, but you can't do anything big because you know wherever you go, they will have a potential different path for you. So that was quite hard to navigate and keep a sort of the business growing, but also people engaged because it's quite unsettling to not have anything really huge to sink your teeth into when that's been the history of the company. Um, so you sort of have to recognize that almost for a year, maybe even longer, you've got the sort of sale process where you can't do much. And then the sort of, we used to call it the, well, I used to call it the wedding and the marriage, that the wedding is what most people focus on. Um, and it's sort of the day up to the deal's done, but the marriage is the thing that takes a lot of prep. And I think a lot of very experienced companies who have acquired a lot of companies now have whole teams devoted to that marriage part of how you bring, um, how you merge cultures and create an environment to make the company successful, all that sort of stuff. But absolutely, we had the whole team come across. Um, and then the four of us co-founders 
had committed to staying at least six months to make sure our team was looked after. And then I think it was seven months that two of us um, decided to leave, decided it was time to move on to the next thing. Got it. Yeah. Time to, time to move on. And, and that's a good, good segue into timing. So uh, a pretty frequent question that I get and a lot of people um, that I know get is around the timing and when is the right time. And everybody's different. Every business is different. From your take, when is the right time? To, to sell? I think it depends on the business. And we've been thinking about this a lot, especially thinking about the next thing is I think uh, my philosophy has always been create a business to create value. I've never been someone who buys into the hype of investment rounds um, because while they can seem very glamorous and big, you actually want to create a valuable company that has a meaningful solution for customers. So I, if you start with that, then it comes to, well, why would you sell? And in our case, it was very much, we needed to grow, we needed to have this functionality. So it made sense. If we didn't, would we have made a different decision? Maybe. Um, So I I don't think there is a formula for it. I think it depends on what you want to get out of it and where your business is at. And if there is a great partnership or opportunity to add more value, I think that that would be the way I'd approach it. I I, I think there's, uh, I know coming out of COVID, there are a couple of pretty major acquisitions from New Zealand companies. And I think some of the founders had just had a really tough couple of years and had decided um, they they had built this incredible business and it was time to almost walk away and, and pass it over to the next group who can keep growing it. So I think it really does. And, and, and I think as I've gotten older, I've started to realize the importance of mental health. I think the, you know, when you're in your early twenties and you can work day and night and you've got all the energy, but it, but you do start to realize you've got one life and there's all sorts of reasons why continuing to build a business is not as good an option as tapping out and passing it forward. Yep. And chapter of life, I think plays such a huge role with it. I mean, I've, I've talked to people that somebody will be in their early thirties, somebody that also is a co-founder is in their fifties and they just are, are tired and don't want to you know, continue. But the person in their thirties, like I, I'm ready, you know, and there's such a, uh, an interesting thing about the chapter that everybody's in and everybody's different. Everybody has different tolerances towards different things. And yeah, just balancing what is uh, what is good for you and your mental health. And that's come up a lot over the past couple of years with entrepreneurs coming out and talking about sort of the depression and stuff like that. It comes after the fact because you've you've really spent years building something and then all of a sudden, poof, your your day your day's different at forever. So it's always a bit of a change. But on a positive note, I wanted you to share a little bit about what happens after you exit a company in New Zealand. If you could share about the garden. <laughs> the garden. So garden. We, when we got acquired, we all became full-time employees, and which was the first time, by the way, I've ever been an employee. So I waited quite a long time, and I lasted <laughs> seven months. So that was a strong career history for me. Um, but what, the way we work it, and I think and this is different for different organizations, but um, we were in a pretty good position um, when we were acquired to not have non-competes and all that sort of stuff built into our employment contracts, which was great. Um, but what that led to is a, 
situation, which I apparently is not utilized around the world, but in New Zealand, um, there's a concept of gardening leave, which is basically a way to stop key employees competing with you quickly. So they effectively pay you for a certain period of time to do nothing. So we had uh, three months gardening leave. Um, and so that's just ended in the last week or two where we were paid and had the responsibilities of employees in the sense we still were accountable to the company, all that sort of stuff, but um, we weren't doing anything and we weren't allowed to do anything, which is like so cool. <laughs> it's funny when you mention things like the depression afterwards. There, I think there is real, and it should be talked about a lot, there is a real emotional journey that you go on. And I think for us, it might've happened a little bit earlier where there were some really dark times but this actually has been a real light time. I think we have both, because two of us left at the same time and we're extremely close and we love working together and we're going to work on the next thing together, that we were very good at counteracting. If one of us was feeling a bit um, overwhelmed or just a little bit lost, the other one was often in the other side. So we could balance each other out, which I think has made it a really interesting, relaxing, fun, reinvigorating time. Awesome. I love the the whole concept of giving somebody a break right after a you know substantial event in their life. And I like that it's uh, preventing competition for people that are sort of just gone through this really emotional roller coaster uh, within a company. That's brilliant. So that leads us to the finale question. Knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself 10 years ago? Oh, that's such a good question. What would I tell myself? I think probably back yourself. Because I think there's probably two inflection points in my life. The first one being this sort of jumping straight into a business. And socially, there's a lot of pushback on that, right? Like people don't get that. And and everyone is off swanning around the world, building careers, having holidays. And in my 20s, it was work and work and work and responsibility and stress. I'm the most easygoing I've ever been now. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So I think there's that and that social thing. And then the having started so young, there were a couple of really hard parts along the way and I stopped backing myself. So I think me 10 years ago would be back yourself and like, and take, say yes to things, learn things. I think the other thing I potentially would do differently is really go and work in organizations a bit to just get that sort of organizational knowledge. I think one of the biggest challenges for me, this is a really long answer, one of the biggest challenges for me at Hatch was I've never been an employee. So hiring all these people and not and, and, an employee expectation is very different from my understanding of work. I, I always had, I'd always looked after myself. I'd always had to get every piece of work. I'd got all that sort of stuff that I didn't know what the expectation was as a leader for employees. So I think learning that stuff would have been helpful. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. So I know that you're you're taking a break now, but what is it that you're doing nowadays and where can people go and learn more about what's going to come next? I um well we are very much working on the next thing. We've it's been really one of the coolest things about having a bit of time is we've just been talking to so many people. I, I don't know if you've experienced this of sort of you put your head up after five years of laser focus and just talking to people about what's on and how the world's changed and what's happening has been so exciting. Um, so we're very much in the early stages of that. I, I mean, this is very lame. I still run my, it's I am Nat Says, which is a very lame Instagram name, but I 
was still very much one of the things we found when we left was I'm still very much excited about financial literacy and teaching and learning and building those skills in a much more plain English, safe environment where it's not what you expect it to be when it comes to um, learning those basic financial skills and sort of growing your investing knowledge and understanding of wealth creation, all that sort of stuff. So I have a very small, very lame Instagram account, but it is a focus on that as a bit of a <laughs> side project for for a bit of fun, really. So if anyone is interested in learning more about finance at all, um, come join us there. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, excellent. Well, for a bonus that everybody that listened through the entire interview... I'd love to ask uh, where you think the current trend is. Like, what are you excited about when you get up in the morning? What is it that you're super hyped about and you want to share with people? You mean from a business point of view, like business trends? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the thing I'm not excited about is the metaverse. I feel like that has been coming out of this whole, has been like, there is, it's that feeling of feeling aging out of technology that you're seeing these crazy new things pop up and just not really understanding them. But we are nothing if not curious. So we're spending a bit of time learning about metaverses and all that technology because I think while it's all very much in its infancy, there's lots of opportunity there and just kind of getting a broad understanding of it would be useful. Um, I also think there's huge interesting shifts happening in work and I love that one of the small lights that came out of COVID is this remote first I don't think the world's going to change back. I think the idea of productivity over bums on seats is really fascinating and how to build highly productive cultures, um, which I don't think the world has done very well um, in the Mm. past. And this idea, I think all of these situations in the world, cost of living rising, sort of the creation of hustle culture, this idea of portfolio careers, this idea of constant upskilling, and that the skills of the future are much more around backing yourself, having good feedback cycles, all, all that sort of stuff, I think is, I find that stuff fascinating because I think we're on the brink of some massive social shifts. So those are probably the two areas that immediately come to mind. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that was a fantastic bonus for everybody that listened through to the end. And those are all the questions I have for you, wherever you guys are listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, all the links that Natalie mentioned will be in these show notes. But thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story. No, that was fun. It's been a while since I've talked about this. So (laughs) it's cool. Thanks for having me.